Hey, hey, honey, can you quit walking? Thank you. Welcome to the uh, Tour Junkies podcast for the 2021 Tour Championship. DB here. I got my boy Pat Perry with me, ready to talk Tour Championship, DFS, and betting from Eastlake, the handicapped PGA Tour event uh, that everyone gets fake excited about. So here we are. we're going to have a great show tonight. As always, it's presented to you by our friends at fantasynational.com slash TJ. Listen, I, I know you're probably not excited about this week, but, you know, just if you are, and if you want to bet on golf in any capacity at any point of your life, then you should be a member at fantasynational.com. And when you uh, tell them the Tour Junkie sent you, get 20% off any membership level, weekly, monthly, or annual memberships available there. You can uh, try the weekly or monthly, and if you love it and you want to upgrade to the monthly or annual, then you still get to keep the 20% off. And it's the one-stop shop for all you need in terms of stats, lineup builders, matchup tools, betting tools, course history, recent form, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's it's the best. So Fantasy National, we've been using these guys for years, and all their data is licensed shot link data from the PJ Tour, so you know it's good. Check it out at fantasynational.com slash TJ to get 20% off any membership level and help support the Tour Junkies. Pat, um, we're going to have a show tonight. I'm not going to promise it will be a good show, but it will be a show. And uh, we're going to talk about Eastlake. We're going to talk about the Tour Championship from a DraftKings standpoint, probably very little. Then we're going to talk about uh, the Tour Championship from a betting standpoint, maybe a little more there. And um, and then we're gonna we're also gonna tell you about what's coming up next for us and the content schedule for the remainder of 2021. A few changes you need to be aware of, and maybe at the end, if we have bonus time, we might have some fun with. Uh, we might turn into a fantasy football podcast and uh, break down Pat's draft from the Why weekend. Not? Pat, um, I'm drinking. Tr- I'm going typical wild leap, wild leap tonight, and soda with a little bit of lime. I know you've had a heavy drink. Speaking of fantasy football weekend, heavy drinking yes. weekend. Yes. I see mm. that you're still pounding them though. You're you're not you're not letting that liver I mean, have a you chance. Know, I'm not you? a quitter. I've never been. You know, people say a lot of things about me, but quitting is not one of them. So uh, got a little wild leap brew. I am I am. Uh, you know, I'm sure I'll finish this one and another one, but uh, that's going to be it for me. To- okay. Well, uh, it's gonna you know it's gonna be a show, and we're gonna have some drinks. There may be a surprise laugh in here. I don't know. But the first thing we're going to do is we're going to recap the BMW Championship. Which Man. I, you know, paid a little homage to there in the opening of the show where Bryson and Cantlay absolutely put on a spectacle of sport yesterday. I, I wish I was better with words. I wish I was more eloquent. Uh, I wish my vocabulary was better, but it's just not. But it was, it was effing amazing is what it was. There were people who were not big diehard golf fans tweeting about it, talking about it, uh, writing about it. It literally just captured so much attention late on Sunday as these guys went blow for blow. Just when you thought one of them had a massive advantage, it, you know, they, they tie again in the playoff. But the whole day, you know, it seemed like from the get-go it was going to be Bryson or Cantlay. I mean, they had clearly separated themselves at Caves Valley, which – we said was going to be was setting up be as soft as it is to be like this birdie show. I wrote up on the betting card article that at the time I wrote the betting article, the only sports books I could find that had a number up for the winning score was like minus 18 and a half. And I said, I would pound that. I, I would go over on that every, every time. If you can find sports books that put up winning totals, uh, I mean, for golf events, like we've been nailing that lately. I mean, but they won at 27 under, they go to a playoff. Uh, but it was just electric action. Cantlay just looked like a stone cold, steel balled killer. Like he would murder a family member if it meant taking out Bryson in that playoff. Mm. And I love to see it. I I like Patrick Cantlay. I didn't like it yesterday because it was the like second time in my life I've had a, a ticket on Bryson DeChambeau and a big one at that. 35 to 1 when DK accidentally, uh, mistakenly, somebody nearly lost their job hanging that number up on a Tuesday morning. But, Pat, um, initial thoughts, co- you know, questions, you know, things you want to bring up about that. I think we should give that some credit. It was an amazing yeah. couple hours. 
Well, it was amazing. The putting display that that Cantlay put on was uh, it was, I mean, it was a record performance. It was absolutely unreal. Record I mean, it performance. Was, it was amazing. I mean, what it was, it gained four over fourteen strokes putting. Fourteen point six. It's just unfreaking believable to do that over the course of a golf tournament and then close it out like he did. I mean, it wasn't like he had to, he had an easy putt there. I mean, it was, it was, you know, no. it was good length for those guys, but yeah. still it wasn't like a five footer, but there was just so much going on in that playoff. And then now I will say I missed a lot of it because as you know, and you just said, I had, I had a weekend, I had a weekend, missed a lot of the golf until yesterday, but what I did watch was fantastic. Now, I may get this wrong. Was it in the playoff or was it before the playoff where uh, Bryson had to step off and tell Cantlay to stop walking in his backswing? That was before the playoff on number 14. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah, right before hitting his approach shot. Uh, Cantlay s- hits it on the green, makes the birdie putt yeah. in front of him. It's, it seemingly was a, I don't know, it was like a, a very ominous birdie from Patrick Cantlay from there on out. And then you had Bryson's chip, was it on 17, um, that I know we were talking with, with producer Sam about beforehand. And it, it, uh, it's just it, the glaring weakness in Bryson's game continues mm-hmm. to be the around the green play. It, it is just the one area that he is not getting it done. And when he has a lackluster um, you know, approach week, which... It, you know, that's his next worst category on a consistent basis is his approach play. But when he does and he can't make up the strokes, it's really tough. What's also crazy is not to be lost on, on, on Patrick Cantlay's 14.6 strokes game putting, Bryson gained 9.4. 9.4 and yeah. lost. <laughs> and, Do you think that Bryson <laughs> is, is uh, would we consider him, though, a great closer? Because let's think about this. Actually, you go back to Friday, I believe, was the round he shot 60. Could have been a 59. Yeah, yeah. And misses a five-footer to shoot 59. He missed a few short ones in that playoff. Yeah. Or at least one or two that could have been, you know, winners. Or So I don't, I'm just, I don't know. It's interesting to see how good he can play, but then miss or do something wrong in like some pretty big moments. Now a lot of it's golf. I know that. I'm not trying to say that we don't all do that, but yeah, um, I could kind of see that. That was the so that's the second most strokes he's gained putting in his entire career to the 2020 St. Jude, where he gained 10. Um, but 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 in the playoff, he he couldn't get it done. I mean, he had opportunities to close the door and be done with it, and he couldn't do it. Um, but he hit some clutch shots, he like when he a, hits a tee the shot drop, yeah. you know, in the water and drops it and then hits it to five feet and makes that putt. So The thing I mean, about uh, – what I was going to get to is we were talking about with producer Sam, his, his around the green play, and the fact that he's hitting wedges that are six ironly. You know, he's hitting – and I, I, I have to believe clearly, like, some, somebody's talked to him about it. You know, I mean, at some point, when you look at strokes gain categories, the only glaring – consistent weakness as i said is the around the green play his coach or somebody on his team has said hey what can we do to 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 figure out this wedges these wedges and around the green play and at some point some smart person in the room has to say well maybe chipping with a 52 degree that's the length of a six iron is not ideal uh scenario like maybe we should try this i don't know I, i feel like that would be weird but he just doesn't deliver around the green when he needs to um and and he's got so he's got to make up for a lot of that when he off the tee or or have a hot putting week which he did and he just got beat by a record-setting putting performance by a guy who isn't known as a fantastic putter despite what paul azinger wants you to believe i mean paul azinger makes if somebody is doing something right now then if they're good at it they are they have been good at it if Mm-hmm. Paul Azinger thinks everybody is a shower, not a grower. You know, if he sees you walking around with your 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 on your best day, he believes that's you all the time, every day. That's what yeah. you're doing. He says that all the time about <laughs> exactly. all these guys. He just gets so sensationalized by one good round or one good thing these guys are doing this week. And I'm like, dude, didn't you freaking play golf? Like, don't, don't you understand how, especially putting, kind of goes like 
can come and go, even for the worst putters on tour. A guy like that can have an amazing four days. And, you know, you start making enough of them on day one, day two, day three and day four, the, the hole looks like it's, you know, 12 inches around. Like, surely all the golf he's played in his life, he knows that. But yet he talks on the broadcast like, oh, Patrick Kent, I mean, this guy, he's made his living doing this, you know. Uh, well, no, uh, no, Paul, he is not. He is barely over his PGA Tour career. He's barely in the positive on strokes game putting total, just barely. So, like, yeah, he's not a, I wouldn't say he's a bad putter, but he is not that good. I feel like I would actually like azing or walking around with me during the oh, day. It'd be fantastic. He would, he would walk around with me and like I would do. He'd be like, Pat ha, has like he's made, done the dishes amazingly today. He's done. And Pat like, I always does the dishes. He always always does, the dishes, does them amazing. And he always does you know, them great. Pat cut his yard perfect today. He's always the greatest yard. Oh, he's the best guy. yard cutter I know, and I don't even. And I know a lot of yard cutters. Yeah, he's like he's like golf Trump. You know, everything's the greatest. <laughs> I can't find a single round on Fantasy Nationals database where their strokes gained records kept. I can't find a single round since uh, uh, Cantlay's career where he's gained seven or more strokes putting. He literally doubled his best ever performance in a strokes gained setting putting. And Azinger acted like, oh, yeah. Oh, you don't know about Patrick Cantlay? He does, he does this all. He does sit asleep. Didn't he do the th- same thing about Corey Connors recently, too? Didn't yes, he, like, talk- he, he talked up Connors for being a great putter. Yeah. Just because he was having one or two good, good, good rounds. It's like, dude, you don't know crap about these guys. Well, either way, he would be a good wingman. I like that it, um, about him. But um, let me ask you this. Yeah. Because you were pulling for Bryson. Yeah. Did you feel bad for him at all after he lost? Um, you know, he got, he got heckled by that fan calling him Brooksy and he told him to get the F out of the, the course and hey, whatever else. L- yeah, I, I saw that, man. I mean, you if- feel bad about how he gets heckled. So I think some of it's unfair. I do. I, I do believe some of it is unfair. Now, I know he brings a lot on himself and I understand that, but some of it is a little bit unfair in my eyes. Okay. I, I don't think it's unfair. I don't think it's unfair when you are a professional athlete in the throes of competition publicly every day, and especially you add to that uh, some of the things that he has said and done yeah, in, which is what I in his career. Yeah. Um, but when you are in a public sport and you're in the arena and there are fans paying money to come see you, and... Um, I don't. I I think it's fair for them to have their favorites, have the the heels and the villains. Uh, Absolutely, have Absolutely. the guys they don't like, and I think it's reasonable for fans to, in some ways, heckle a golfer. Now, I think that's very new to golf. I think that's a strange thing that the world of golf is having to wrestle with at the moment because that's not something that we've typically seen done. It's a gentleman's game. I, I do think I prefer it more uh more gentlemanly i guess i'm saying i think it's fair but i would prefer it more like what we see at augusta national maybe that's because i grew up there and i grew up going to golf tournaments there and i feel like that's the way every golf tournament in the world should be run i don't want to hear the i would prefer to not hear the brooksy calls even though i don't like bryson just as much as i would prefer to not hear somebody go light the candle mashed potatoes Dig, you know, uh, diddy, diddly, diddly, or whatever the Bud Light thing was a few years ago. I don't know. Uh, I, I would prefer not to have any of that. That's my preference. But I think in 2021, as things have progressed and things have evolved, evolved, and and fans and and generations are getting older, and they're you know they're used to to going to sporting events and pulling hard or pulling against athletes. I, I think it's fair. It, it does. Yeah, I don't, it did. It did kind of get me when I was like, "Oh man, that just sucks." Like to fight the way he fought for for six extra holes to be walking off, you know, handing the hat to the kid. Great move there, handing the hat to the kid, and to be walking off and just for some, you know, Mick Ultra drunk, lubed up douche lord to say Brooksy after he passes because you're scared. You're, you want to say it 
You want to say it loud enough that your buddies around yeah. you think it's funny and they can give you credit for saying it loud enough, but you almost don't want him to hear it at that point. Like, if you really want him to hear it, then you say it when, he's wa- when he can see you. But you yeah. kind of threw it out there kind of half-ass a little bit. And then he turned, like, that, you know, I, I, I don't like that. You know, and, and even as a Bryson hater, if I, if I were standing there, I'd be like, dude, you're, you're, a, you're a, a tool. Like, I agree. I think it, it is a little bit, and it, it was just, that didn't set well with me. And I'm, again, I think you could, should form your own opinions about Bryson. But, I mean, there's so much about social, on social media about him, and you just, there's a lot of people these days that just form opinions based off of what they see on social media or whatever else, and nobody forms their own opinion sometimes. I mean, I think you can, you can form your own opinion on Bryson, um, but I just don't like how that, that all went down. I mean, the guy just poured his heart and soul out there to try and win a golf tournament, and he didn't win it. And then, now look, People in that arena are going to hear stuff like that. And, and you got to have some thick skin, I, I do believe. And I think they do. I mean, you think about all the people that they are playing in front of. I mean, they hear all kinds of shit on the golf course. And they don't get triggered. Can you imagine me oh, in no. that situation? <laughs> God, God. Oh. I mean, I'd get past like the third hole and I'd, I'd have already kicked out 10 people. Yeah, I mean, or, like, or you would already be being charged for assault yourself. Yeah, I mean, so it's just You'd like, be done. You know, people that aren't in that in that you know arena, I think they just don't understand. And so, you know, I, again, I don't. It just that little episode didn't sit well with me. I think I think I just realized something because I went on Twitter earlier in the week and commented on a video that somebody posted about how hilarious this guy was at the Northern Trust last week, and he was videoing himself yelling things at different golfers throughout the week, and it was this cut up video. And it's from an account called Brilliantly Dumb. And I looked it up. The guy's got a ton of followers. He's got a couple podcasts. He, and actually, I looked at some of his content, and some of his content is actually really funny. It made me laugh. Um, and he's, you know, he's, it's funny. But I, I saw that video first, and I commented, and I was like, I just don't think this is funny. And, and I got lit up for that. Oh, you, how do you not think this is funny? And I think it does go back to growing up at Augusta National, going to those, to those tournaments where you don't talk to those guys, Growing up caddying at Augusta, where you, want, you do not speak to any player outside of your group and almost don't speak to any player in your group that you're not caddying for. Like, you're one player you can talk to. You better have a really good reason to say something to somebody, another member in your group. You know, so, I mean, I walked, I brushed shoulders with Peyton Manning and Warren Buffett, Bill Gates. Uh, Archie Manning, you know, all the time there, but I, I never, I never said anything, and I was like conditioned to that. So I just don't think it's that funny when you're videoing yourself and Bubba's walking by, and you're like, "Hey, Bubba, love the, 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 you know, the hair on your arms or whatever it is he's talking about, whatever he's saying," and you kind of get a couple jokes out of your buddies. I just don't find that amusing, and that's okay. Like we don't all have to think the same stuff is funny. And I think that guy is funny because I went and looked at his Instagram account and saw funny stuff. But at the end of the day, like, I would just prefer golf fans just shut up. Like, have fun. I don't, yell I don't and cheer. Think that, but there's obviously up. a big contingent in this world that loves to hear the Baba Booies and, and, and the there? heckling and, and the get in the is. holes. And all. Well, then how come it's still there? Like, it's been there for years. I don't years. think that's a large contingent. You just hear the one or two voices that, that do it on the broadcast. And so those well, they same, don't get enough people that are giving them a bunch of crap for doing it. Maybe we should start something. If you hear something, you say something. You know what I mean? You yeah. tell those guys. Um, anyway, uh, that's that. Okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if we – the 35-to-1 call on Bryson Tuesday morning was the right call. And I said it that night, that, that, that day when I tweeted. I was like, you bet this right now, and if he finishes dead last or wins, you're on the right side. And then – an hour later, it was at 28 to 1. And then, <laughs> yes, AC. Uh, yes, now, yes, that's my. Uh, now, this week, this week's a totally different course. Totally different so we course. May, so we may go back on everything we just said about totally Bryson. Different course. Last week, the Bryson bet was the auto lock. Kays Valley yeah. was built for Bryson. It was built there. If they continue to, to put that in the rotation and go back there, I'm still, I'm, it's going to be a week where you look at them. DraftKings hung a number by mistake on Tuesday morning at 35 to 1. It's mm-hmm. another good reason to have more than one book if you can get it. 
because every other book I could see had nothing longer than like 25 to 1, and it was just a good time to jump on it. Even 25 to 1 was a good number. So it was the right bet. You know, sometimes you just make the right bet, and it stinks when they lose like that. It was a heartbreaker. Hopefully you hedged, can't lay, because I know, you know, going into Sunday, it was basically Bryson or can't lay. It was nobody else. I mean, it was those two. So you could have you hedged and come out okay. But that was the right call. Easy. So there we go. Let's get into it, Pat. Uh, actually, no, hold on. Content schedule for 2021. I need to update the people. Let's talk about the rest of, let's talk about this week. Um, uh, all right, this week, the Big Balls betting card is going to be, uh, I'm going to have a betting card out this week, maybe. And it might look a little different, and it's going to be unofficial. But uh, anyway, up 41 units for the 2020-2021 season, by the way. Other than that, we might not have any other content out. I don't know. AC may write his DraftKings preview recap article. AC, you tell us if you are in the chat. I'm pretty sure he probably will. Um, but no, no, nothing else. No 10 facts, no chalk bomb this week. It's just a dumb, weird, strange week. Pat, you may tweet out your if any bets that you like. I don't I'll know. tweet them out. I'll okay. tweet out the bets. I'm not going to do the sommelier. That's not coming back until we get back into the okay. swing of the... Next week, no show. Um... Okay, yeah, so AC will have his DraftKings preview article up on the website, tourjunkies.com, probably on Wednesday. Uh, no show next week. We got a week off, and we're going to take it. It's a good, it's a, it's a nice breather for us. We could use it. Please come back. We'll be back on 9-13 to kick off the first event of the new season, the Fortinet. Fortinet? Fort, I, don't, I don't even know what that is. Anyway. I'm going to have trouble with that It's one. the first event of the year. Uh, full field event. We'll have all the Corn Ferry Tour guys coming up. It'll be, you know, this, the fall season is a good time to make a little extra money because you've got a lot of names in here that a lot of people don't know. If we study up, we do our research, we can gain an edge in a lot of places, and you can catch future stars at low, low prices on DK and long prices in the books. So it's a, it's a good time to stay committed. I know it's football season, but come on. So uh, we'll do that on 913, get back to a lot of the regularly scheduled content that week as well. We're going to do a Ryder Cup show on 922, which is the Wednesday before the Ryder Cup kicks off on Friday. 922, that Wednesday night, we'll do a Ryder Cup show. Um, there's plenty of Ryder Cup content. We just, we've been the last two times. Uh, it's probably just going to be a fun show. It's not going to, we'll talk some bets maybe, but it'll just be a fun show. We love Ryder Cup. Be a good time. Uh, the Sanderson on 927 starts eight shows in a row until the week before Thanksgiving, and then nothing until January 3rd. So eight shows in a row with the Sandersons, all fall swing events, full slate of content that week, a separate DFS show, separate betting show all those weeks, uh, Big Balls betting card, Chalk Bomb, all that kind of stuff. By the way, Chalk Bomb is getting a little bit of a makeover as well. Uh, so that'll expect that. That's going to be good. And uh, I think that's it. That's the content schedule for the rest of 2021. So off next week, back on the 13th then the 22nd, then the 27th, and we're off and running. Anything to add there, Pat? No, I think that's good. Uh, you know, doing all the shows we do, man, it's, it, you get a lot of aches and pains, man. We've been telling some folks for yeah. the last few weeks about the aches and pains and about our friends at Relief Factor. If you got aches and pains, exercise, injuries, just getting older, cause you some problems, man, you're missing golf, you can't sleep. Um, our friends at Relief Factor were invented in a health clinic in Seattle 100% drug-free and contains four key ingredients that do a lot of stuff to activate a lot of stuff to help your body's response to pain and inflammation. And there's tens of thousands of people using Relief Factor, including us. Our buddy John says that he can now, he's got some relief in his shoulders and knees. He can swing. He can go fishing a little bit easier, all that kind of stuff. For me personally, wakes me up, gets me nice and lubed up before I go to the gym in the mornings because I'm not, I'm not so tight and like tense and I'm loose, you know, so I can mm. really push that, push that weight, you know, dog. Um, been using almost a month, so uh, um, probably two months now. So you got everyday aches and pains. Remember, Relief Factor is 100% drug free and designed to be taken every day, so you can get out of pain, but also then stay out of pain. And the only way to know if it's going to work for you is to do what we didn't try for yourself. And the best way to or to do that is to order a three week quick start, discounted at just 19.95 plus shipping and handling, so it can't be easier. Just go to relieffactor.com/tourjunkies, all one word, and order a three week quick start. You'll be glad you did. Again, to claim your three-week quick start for $19.95, go to relieffactor.com slash tourjunkies. 
All right, Pat, tell us a little bit about Eastlake, what we need to know, and let's get into this. We know about Eastlake. Yes, Good Tour Lord. Championship Eastlake Golf Club. It is a par 77,346 yards. Uh, we've got 30 players in the field, no cut. Is it confirmed 30? Is Patrick Reed playing? No, not. I don't. he hasn't confirmed or gotten out yet, but I don't think it's happening. Yeah, so maybe 29. Um, anyway, you got Bermuda Greens on this course, which will run extremely quick. Um, yeah, this is definitely a course that is a thinking man's course. It is, um, you know, doesn't necessarily favor bombers like we saw last week. It's a totally different course. Classic Donald Ross design with a Reese Jones update in 2008. Usually you get very thick Bermuda rough. And uh, I can tell you from personal experience playing this course about a week after the tournament, it is very difficult to hit out of that rough. Um, you've got uh, Zoysia tree-lined fairways. Um, and hitting those fairways, I think more so than normal on this course is key, is uh, is driving accuracy and fairways gained, which is something that uh, you'll see on Fantasy National. You've got two par fives here. The sixth hole is very reachable for these guys, and then the 18th would be reachable for uh, your longest hitters. Again, this is definitely going to be an extremely tough test. Um, you will not see scoring at all like Caves Valley last week, typically anywhere around like 10 under will be the number that wins. And I'm saying that not counting the strokes that are given to the players leading up to this. Um, but if you just kind of listen to what some of the players say, talking about this course, they emphasize hitting fairways. You just can't attack these greens from that thick rough. I mean, you just cannot do that. Um, ball striking is going to be keys. There's going to be key. And then when you look at some of the slopes and runoffs around these greens, I do think scrambling is something that's going to, going to be something you want to look at. Um, so overall, I'm expecting another extremely tough test out, out of this course. They've gotten a lot of rain lately. Um, so I think that could be uh, something that's interesting to look at as far as how tough it might play. Um, you know, the greens, that could soften up the greens, but then it also could mean the rough's a little bit thicker and hidden fairways is even, you know, even more, um, you know, of just something that these guys are going to be able to do. But looking at, for me, stats, definitely looking at form, driving accuracy, I mentioned, ball striking, scrambling, and, uh, you know, I'll look at some putting on Bermuda. Um, past champions, we had DJ last year, Rory in 2019, Tiger in 2018, Xander in 2017, Rory again in 2016, and Jordan in 2015. So, there you go. That's the course breakdown. <sighs> Very nice, Pat. That was very, very, very nice. Um, I saw a stat earlier. Since 2010, uh, tour championship winners have averaged more strokes off the tee than on approach, mm -hmm. which is very rare. Um, nor normally, that is never the case. Um, so I thought that was interesting. So off the tee matters here for sure. I don't give a rip about a stat. I'm not looking at a stat. I'm not thinking about looking at a stat. I'm not thinking about thinking about looking at a stat. I'm looking, if it's DFS, it's ownership, it's lineup construction, it's value, and it's course history, and that's it. Because, I mean, all these guys are coming in in good form. You know, in, in relatively good form, right? There's some that are definitely hotter than others. I mean, nobody's coming in form like John Rahm's coming in form, right? There's electric form. And then there's like good form, short term, a little bit better, long term, whatever. They're all coming in good form, right? So I do think history matters here because Eastlake is an interesting golf course. We both played, both played Eastlake, and it is a place that I think, um, uh, you know, favors a certain type of player. I love that comment, Charlie Oliver. Give it to him raw, DB. That's what I'm doing. Raw. No, I'm not. I'm not you know, slapping a Jimmy on with some stats. Forget that. You know, I'm just going, mm -hmm. I'm raw dogging it. Um, for betting, it, it's value. It's understanding the bet because there's some interesting ways you can bet this golf tournament. It's definitely value when you consider finish position, you know, what these guys can do to get hot and, and you know, shoot their way up a leaderboard or win a matchup or whatever that may be. Uh, it's obviously course history form as well there, but Value, 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 and uh, for DFS, a lot is going to depend on your lineup construction and ownership. I did some research, Pat, last week, last year. I thought this was very interesting. I'm going to pull up a graphic here, Sam. Let me see if I can do this. I'm jacking some stuff up. 
uh, last year. This was the, if you're watching on YouTube, this was the winning lineup um, at the Tour Championship. Now, what do you notice about that winning lineup made up of Justin Thomas, Xander Schauffele, Scotty Scheffler, Terrell Hatton, Sebastian Munoz, and Mackenzie Hughes? They use a total of $46,800 in their $50,000 DraftKings salary cap. Uh, and they scored 562 points. That was the optimal, I'm sorry, optimal lineup for DraftKings. What do you notice about the lineup there, Pat? Well, you got two guys in the 5K range, for one, which you don't typically see a whole lot of guys in 5K, but you do this year, or this this week, the yeah. World Championship. Um, yeah, you also don't see the winner. DJ yeah. won last year, and DJ was not in there. You know, what's unique about the, the DFS slate this week is the guys, where they're starting, they're going to they're go ahead and start with the finish position credit that you get on DraftKings. Yeah. They're going to start with that immediately. And as they change, that will obviously change, right? So DJ or uh, uh, Cantlay is going to start with the winning bonus points that DraftKings gives the winner. If he falls to second place, that's going to drop, right? Um, other than that, the scoring is all the same. So it, it is possible that the chasers, the guys below the Cantleys and the, you know, the Finals and the Brysons and the Roms up top, like it is possible if they, if they make more birdies and Eagles and they score more, you know, they can score more points, even if they don't mm-hmm. finish there, it, it, that can happen. So uh, the other interesting thing to think about is ownership is with this 29 players, right? Last year, there were 14 players owned over 20% because obviously you don't have as many players to choose from. There were five over 30%, and two of those were JT and Xander. Justin Thomas last year was 33%, and Xander was 35% on average. The two 5K guys you mentioned, Munoz and Hughes, were 15% owned on average. The total ownership average for that lineup, that optimal lineup, was 150%. So it's going to feel really different than most DFS weeks. But notice that they left over $3,000 on the table. and they didn't, have, they didn't have the winner in that optimal lineup. So it's just something to think about uh, with, with how this whole thing won. And DJ won by three shots. I mean, he won it. Nobody came into last year hotter than DJ, and he kept it going, and he won by three. So he's, he won by three, and he wasn't a part of the optimal lineup. So all that, to, you know, just take that into consideration. I don't know that's likely to happen, but I do think there's something to the guys chasing versus the guys up top you know, in, in the mentality or the way they're going to attack the golf course. And as we know, we talked about it last year too, Eastlake is a tough, it's a tougher course. There are holes that you can lose ground on very quickly at Eastlake. Yeah. It can, it can flip a little bit. I mean, yeah. just because the guys up, you know, have this, you know, can't lays at 10 under or whatever it is. And I mean, it, it can flip very quickly on this course. It's a very difficult course. You can get into trouble. You can have some big numbers. Um, so it's certainly something to pay attention to. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's get into some, let's talk about DraftKings, Pat. Let's, let's okay. look at the board. Let's look at the, the pricing here. Now you got w- much different pricing this week because, um, they're basically handicapping the pricing to go along, to coincide with the, the strokes that guys are getting. So you've got Patrick Cantlay all the way up at 13, 13, four, followed by, um, you got Rom at 13, Bryson 12, three, Finau 11, eight, JT. DJ Jordan, Cameron Smith, Ava Answer, Rory. Those are all the guys in the. Is that nine k and above? Yeah, that's is that nine k and above. Yes. All right. So, any thoughts here? Any early leans? Guys, you want to avoid that kind of stuff. Well, there are two guys here that I really like um, for DFS, and I think the first is pretty obvious, and he'll be highly owned. But I still like him, even though he's a few strokes back, and that's John Rahm. I mean, at thirteen. Yeah. Just so I absolutely hot. love him. I mean, he's playing so well right now. Um, you know, outside of you know scrambling and and maybe putting from the guys in this field, um, you know, he's still the best in the world right now. John Rahm at thirteen, I love him this week. And then the next guy down that I really like is Cam Smith at ten one. Oh, I think I think Cam really? is a really good play here this week. Um, I don't only like him in DFS; I love him in betting as well. And you know, I think I think you can bet him actually outright with the strokes. I think you can also bet him outright just to win the tournament without the strokes. So I, I'm a big fan of Cam Smith this week at ten one. Wow. Okay. Um, 
Cam Smith starting five shots back. I mean, he can definitely, he's one that can definitely get hot. I mean, we've seen that happen. I don't love that his best finish here is a 20th. It doesn't, you know, I think the driving is the issue. He even talked about that, you know, last week when he, um, when he nearly won the Northern Trust. He talked about that it always boils down to his, his driver. And he, and he lost the Northern Trust with a driver. Like, it, the driver is not typically an asset for Cam Smith. That is the area where he struggles in terms of spraying it. I, do, I think that's probably why Eastlake has jumped up and bit him. Now, I definitely think he's, he's basically a few more fairways away from being able to go really low, as we've definitely seen him do. He's not one that, that I've, been, I've been on, though. My, my fate is Bryson. Like, I, I think that uh, even though Bryson is only three shots behind, this is definitely not a, not a spot built for him. His best finish here was in 2019 at T12. He is on record mentioning Eastlake as a golf course that mitigates distance with the bunkering in front of the greens and things like that that make it hard for him um, to, to you know, run the ball up from the rough or uh, fly certain short par fours or whatever it is. He's on record as saying that this golf course mitigates his distance, and his record here, is, even though limited, has kind of shown that it does. I don't know if you want to factor in what yesterday does for him does it motivate him does it light a fire under him and make him just really freaking pissed and he's going to go burn it up or is it going to continue to is it going to kind of crack at him a little bit um so i think i'm out on on 12.3 bryson i i couldn't agree more with john rom it's so hard to avoid john rom um you know at 13 uh considering the form it feels like he's in the dj zone of last year when dj came into this thing an absolute world beater, and he just kept it going, and it was done. Um, you know, John has easily could have easily won the last two, three, four times he's teed it up. Uh, so I, I think I think Rom is the play here. I, I don't think Cantlay is the play either. Like with the price and the fourteen point six strokes gain that he just had, you know, had that not happened, literally a a PGA Tour strokes gain data era record of putting. We wouldn't be talking about Patrick Cantley up here at the highest price guy and getting getting shots, uh, you know. And his his best finish here is twentieth, right? Isn't that his best finish? Yeah. So it's not like well, this this place has been great for Patrick Cantley either, which is a little weird. No, I I agree. Um, let me say this too, uh, and going back to I, obviously I mentioned that that I do think on this course driving accuracy is something that's key, but. You also, and you see this a lot every week, not just this week. If you look at the top guys over 10-1, and that starts, so we start with Cantlay at the top, and then you go down to Cam Smith. The best one in the field, if you're just looking at the last 24 rounds, for fairways gained, is John Rahm, 15th. The next best is actually Cam Smith. So, really? I'm seeing comments about, you know, Cam Smith can't drive for shit. Now, obviously, we think about the fact that well, he did you know, say what, that what, himself. So that's what uh, he did say that last week. Well, yeah. Just so and you know. he also sprayed that one way out to the right. It was just awful. My point is, though, is that these guys all up top, they, they, are, they are obviously the best in the world right now. They're going to figure it out in other ways if they're not hitting every single fairway. And, he, and he, let's just look at it. Bryson's 29th in fairways game. Cantlay's 19th. Finau's 23rd. Justin Thomas is 26th. You know, so all of these guys up top have a little bit of accuracy issues. But does that mean you're going to fade them all? No, I'm not. No, I'm not going to. Speaking of accuracy issues, you know, I think I'm my my next play. I mentioned Rom. I'm going to play Jordan at ten point four, uh, and starting at four under. I'm going to go with Spieth. I, I think you know we haven't seen him here since 2017, which love Spieth. Feels week. really weird to even say. It I mean, but he, here's a. Here's a tour championship winner at Eastlake back in 2015. He was runner-up his first year here in 2013. He was seventh last time we saw him in 2017, and that was all without the handicap stroke mess that we see. Um, I, I, think, I think this actually is a, a, an interesting spot for Jordan. I don't love that the driver's been a little wonky uh, in terms of accuracy in the last couple of events, but I feel like he's going to turn it up here and, and he be very grateful to be back in 2017 and i love a chasing jordan spieth i just do i I love to see him chase 
So I like him at at the minus four number. To actually, I think he's one that could actually track down Cantlay and get it done. So that that's that's it for me. Um, yeah, I like these two. The eight K range. The clear cut favorite here is Xander Shoffley. Um, the guy has the lowest four round score in 2017 and 2020. Um, I mean, he won. He was the winner in 2017, but he didn't win the. It was weird. And then last year, he actually had the lowest four-round score again, but still fell short of DJ. Clearly, Xander loves him some Eastlake. And he starts at two under, but, you know, and, and I think that's getting a little crazy. To, you know, eight shots, to, to make up ground on eight shots with guys like Cantlay, Rom, Bryson, JT, Jordan, DJ in front of you, Rory, that's really tough to do. Um, so I don't, know that, I don't know that Xander's going to win. But I like him to score a lot of birdies, and I like him to make a lot of noise and finish maybe top three uh, for sure. And, and I think he will be one of the most popular players, and I'll, I'll probably play him anyway. I may not put him in a ROM lineup, or if I did, maybe, I don't know, maybe I would. I mean, you can, you can go to a couple chalky players and then just, you know, get, get, get weird with it down at the bottom. But contest selection, we didn't even talk about that. Contest selection is very interesting too, but I would just, stay away from like massive contests with a lot of entries. So you don't have to have the optimal lineup, but I'm going to go Xander and I'm going to go English 8.7 K four under is English's starting position. Uh, I, I like, you know, I looked at Burns. So I, obviously I love, I love Sam Burns, but I like that English has a little bit of history here to finish T12 last year. I like that English feels a little safer off the tee to me, a little more consistent off the tee. Now, Burns can, can score and get hot, for sure, and I, and I love that about him. But um, uh, I, think, I think English is my, my favorite here in this range as well with, uh, with Xander. So that's it for me. All right. Well, you know, and I like – it's hard not to like a lot of these guys at this 8K range because obviously there's not many of them. But um, the one I'm most curious about, and I'd like to see where his ownership is, is Colin Morikawa. This is a – Per, mm. Now, look, I understand how he's been the last few weeks. Well, the injury, too. And the injury. But this is still a perfect course for Morgan. It is. It I is. I mean, this is a course that if he's okay, and we see that he, in his interviews and things like that, he feels healthy and everything's okay, I think, I think Morikawa could be a fantastic play this week. And his ownership's going to be low. Yeah, I think it will be. Unless people are paying, you know, if, if they're really paying attention to what he's saying about his injury and whatever else, it may be a little higher. But still, I think Morikawa is, is somebody that for GPPs, uh, I like a lot. Obviously, putting is always an issue with him. Um, but still, across the board, everything else, ball striking approach. I mean, he's second in the field in approach. He's second in driving accuracy. I mean, the guy is, this is a perfect course for him. Finished sixth here last year, his first time ever um, playing uh, here at um, Eastlake. Eastlake. So I like Morikawa. <laughs> Sam, geez, you can't do that. <laughs> what? I do, um, it'll be interesting to see press conferences on Morikawa, how he's feeling. If, if the, because was it his back? No. Was it his back? He tweaks something. I can't remember what it was a couple weeks ago. Um, so that, that you know what I you know what I do when I tweak something, DB. What do you do? You get some relief factor. No, I drink more. I drink <laughs> things because you know what? When you drink things, I'll uh, drink to you, that. When uh, you've got a, a little, well, I mean, I probably shouldn't say that, but anyway, um, you know, sometimes you just got to um, celebrate life's little victories, oh, DB. Yeah. Yeah, like when you're on the golf course and yeah, you know maybe uh, you know you 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 cut one around a tree because you hit it in the woods and you hit it on the green or something like that, oh, or yeah. uh, or you hit a drive over 240 yards. You might want to celebrate that, uh, like I would. Okay. Uh, so okay. I'm going to do that with a little Arnold Palmer spiked. Okay. Oh. It's a classic taste of iced tea and lemonade that mm. we already know and love. Five mm. percent. ABV. Okay. 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 All right. Made with real juice and brewed teas for a smooth flavor that's as easy going as the icon that made it famous. Oh, man, Arnie. Look at that. Thank you. Uh, thanks for that picture. Praise be, Sam. Look at that. That's a good, good looking picture there. But uh, anyway, um, Arnold Palmer spiked 
is the uh, is just a great timeless combination. Uh, it's a classic refreshment that tastes like a hole in one. You know, oh. nothing beats an Arnold Palmer. I don't spice. even know what that tastes like except for with an Arnold Palmer. You know, I've never had a hole in one either, so I don't know that I can tell you what it tastes like. But uh, hey, it comes in multi packs. Oh. You can get a twenty. You can get a twenty four ounce. DB has a little trouble figuring out what a twenty four <laughs> ounce is or a, a forty ounce. But uh, in this case, you can get you can get a twenty four ounce. It's perfect for sipping throughout the day, whether you're on the links or you're on the ocean. You know, fishing or something. You're on a lake. Um, it's uh, <laughs> trying to read these and read the comments at the same time. Anyway, you can find Arnold Palmer Spiked in a store near you at arnoldpalmerspike.com slash tour junkies or search for it on Drizzly and Instacart. Okay, that's Arnold Arnold Palmer Spiked <laughs> slash tour junkies. God, I hate that. I like I like all AP Spike. I'm gonna call it AP Spike. Okay. I like AP Spike, but I hate saying that all that. Anyway, 2021 Hornell Brewing Company, Memphis, Tennessee. Malt beverage with natural flavor. Celebrate responsibly. Sometimes I, you know, I like to say like, "Hey, when I'm on the course, I'll be like, yo, toss me one of them APSs. You know, give me Those an APS. APS. You know, sometimes you got to do that. <clears throat> um, all right. Wow. Uh, thank you. They will really appreciate that. Um. That 182nd ad read. So really cool. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So there's in, a lot in these ad reads. They they put a lot of things and then they highlighted a lot of things and you're like, what am I supposed to read here? You know, maybe if you look at it, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe even 15 minutes before the I show, that, that tends right to help. Then. Yeah. Pulled it up right then. Uh, in the 7K range, there are only three names, Pat. Just Trace Nombres. Um, that is Brooks Kepka, Louis Ustase, and Sung JM, and I like one of them, and I'll give you Sung JM for seven point three mm-hmm. K, my man, starting at three under. Sung J, I talked him up last week, and he and he 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 sneakily did his thing uh, just last week, uh, finishing third at the BMW. He's trending, man. Last four events: forty sixth, twenty fourth, sixteenth, and third. Now he's coming to Eastlake. Hey, remember, folks, when Sungjae was homeless, he bought a home finally. Where? In Atlanta. So he's comfortable. He's going to be sleeping in his own little Sungjae bed with his own little Sungjae pillow and, and maybe his blankie and whatever else he sleeps with there in Atlanta. But uh, I, I'm excited about Sungjae on, these, on, these, you know, on, on this golf course. I think it's a great spot for him off the tee. Approach plays solid lately. I think he's going to be a lower owned pick out of these three between uh, Brooks and and Louie. So I'm going all I'm all in on Sungjae. Yeah, um, Sungjae was my guy here too. I'm I'm with you there. Nice. I think uh, he's just a great great play here. I love the upside with him. Um, it's hard not to try to you know I I do like Usti, but he does concern me a little bit. So yeah. I, I think I'm just going to go Sungjae here. All right, let's look at the 6K and 5K range. I mean, obviously, you could play a lot of guys down here. I think you should definitely dip in this range. There's no reason not to. There's there's win equity down here. Not Well, not win equity in terms of, like, uh, going to win the, the whole thing. But, like, there's guys down here that could shoot the lowest score without the strokes, if you know what I mean. You got Scotty Scheffler at 6'8", six, uh, six, Jason Kokrak, 6'6", six, six, Decky, 6'4", six, Connors, Nah, Berger, Neiman, Serp. Sergio, which of course plays well the week or plays terrible the week I play him and well the week I don't. Yeah. Stuart, uh, Stifler's mom, Stuart Sink, another Atlanta resident, Billy Horschel, and your boy, Honey Mustard. Uh, Honey there. Mustard! Who I just don't think should be here. It really, I, it just makes me mad. I, these last two he events. He played are, his way in. He shouldn't be here. His whole year he sucked. He played good for two weeks and here he is. I think that's a terrible the, the, the points are all out of whack. There's no reason EVR should be here. That's the one name in this entire 29 male of male list that I look at and just go, "Nope, shouldn't be here." EVR. He shouldn't. I like EVR this week. I Great. think he's a good play. Good grand. He just finished top 5 last week. No, actually no, I I, really- I, do, I do think he is a good play. I mean, he's just running hot, and he's 5K. Like, why wouldn't you? Do? He's just going to come out here and say, you know what? I'm going to send it, and I'm going to go low, and I'm going to be aggressive. I don't know why he wouldn't play it either, because he is coming in pretty hot. Hot enough to get here, which is a, quite an accomplishment, because yeah. he was like a hundred and a thousandth six weeks ago. And here he is. 
So, yeah, I mean, obviously, he's, um, he's a play. I mean, Daniel Berger at 5'8 is, yeah, is an auto bet. Now, he, he, you know, I don't think you're going to be like, you know, if you're playing Rom and Xander and then you're going to go down to Berger because you think nobody's going to play him in the 5K range, you're wrong there. Like, Berger's going to be scooped up. I can tell you that a lot. He's going to be scooped up. His history here is kind of funny if you look at it. The last three times he's played here, he's finished 15th every single time. Yeah. The first year I ever went to Eastlake was also his first year that he ever made it to Eastlake. And I remember following him around and following Tori Slater with him, his mm. girl. I don't know if you've ever seen her, but. Yeah, I don't think her, that's her. Is that her name? Yes, her name is Tori Slater. I thought that was like a 90210 person. Uh, that's Tori Spelling. Okay. <laughs> and uh, much, definitely worse uh, looking than Tori Slater. T-O-R-I, uh, Sam. He's already Googling her. Um, but yeah, Berger is there. Hideki is easily my favorite play. Hideki loves this place. He's at six four. He's playing great. What I mean, Hideki isn't isn't definitely an auto play. I love Connors at six two, and I love Scheffler at six eight. Scheffler went stupid low here last year. We were all over him coming in here last year. He had a low round on Saturday or Sunday, I think. Um, finished well. Scheffler and Decky are probably my two. Scheffler, Decky, Connors, and Berger. I love all those names down here. I think they're fantastic. You could start. I would start a lineup with those four seriously, and then just pick whoever you want up top. I think that's those guys are studs. Would you not look at Billy Horschel at all? Nope. I mean, Billy Horschel just makes it to the Tour Championship every single year. Good for plays him. Plays well on this course. Was second here in 2018. Yeah. Dead last, last dead, year. dead last of the year last year. Um, but Billy still, Horschel I, hasn't had a top ten since February. I don't care. February he comes the playoffs and he still makes it. His best finish since February is seventeenth in August. Seventeenth. How is he here? I don't. Now I'm getting into here. like Pat Perry high, high pitch voice. I don't understand how Billy Horschel is here. Does he have a lifetime exemption because he gets here all the time because he Apparently, won? Apparently, he has like a lifetime exemption. I can't stand Billy Horschel. Billy Horschel and EVR should not be here. That pisses me off. Who is 31 and 32? Hey, look, Billy is standard? second in the field and putting on Bermuda. Yeah, over the last he's, however many rounds. Sure, you can find him. He's seventh in driving accuracy. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think Horschel could be a decent place. God, he's I He's probably going to be one of the lowest owned people. In this range. You're right, right. Which, if that's the case. Him and Stink. Dude, K.H. Lee was 31. Give me electric K.H. Lee. I'd rather have him. Charlie Hoffman was 32. Your boy Alex Norman was 33. Siwoo was 34. I mean, we're coming. What are we doing here? It's 30. Well, there's 30 players. Why would you not take a flyer on Billy Horschel? I get it. I mean, I, I listen, I can't blame you for taking a flyer on literally anyone. But I just can't I know, stand that Billy Horschel and EVR are even here. Th- those two guys should not be there. If I, they shouldn't be there. All right, uh, let's talk betting, Pat. The betting board is interesting. You got a couple different ways you can bet. You can bet with the handicap. You can bet without the handicap. Personally, I definitely find without the handicap much more interesting. That's going to take your lowest seventy-two hole score. Um, I basically I'm looking at outrights and top fives tonight. Uh, as of now, recording some Monday night. Let me make sure one more time. As of now, I don't see any matchups available. Nope, I see no matchups, so we won't be able to talk matchups tonight. But outrights and with and without starting strokes, as well as top fives. Again, 29-man field event, so top five. That's like the equivalent to a top 10, I guess, in a regular field event. That's kind of what we're looking at. Pat, uh, let's start with the starting strokes. With starting strokes, handicapped event, Looking at the top of the board, you got John Rahm at three and a half to one. Cantlay four to one. Bryson five and a half to one. Tony seven to one. JT fourteen to one. Jordan eighteen to one. DJ twenty to one. Xander twenty five. Rory twenty five to one. Are you touching any of these guys? Well, I think um, of all of these that are right here that are getting the strokes. Um, why'd you take that down, Sam? Um, you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Good God, uh, Finau is the is the shortest number I'm looking at. It's seven to one without the strokes. He's two shots behind. Now, does it feel like Finau winning two out of the last three weeks would be very strange? Yes, it does. But I mean, so does Stuart Sink winning twice in the same PGA Tour season at 47. 
but also with the handicap situation, he's not he's he's not really gonna win, right? Like that would also be a very Tony Finau event to win. Like if he if he you know if he gets beat by Xander again for the third year in four, where Xander has the lowest seventy two hole score, and Finau still wins the FedEx Cup because he had he had you know uh, six shots on Xander. Did he really win? Like so, I think with strokes, Tony Finau is safe. Is the safe is the shortest I'm willing to go because again, I hate betting short numbers in golf. Seven to one, that's it. But what's more appealing to me is actually on points bet. JT and Jordan Spieth have better numbers on points bet. They're both four under. They both start at four under, so six shots off. Both of those guys, world class players, as we know, and can go stupid low and stupid deep when they're on uh jordan is 25 to 1 on points bet with the strokes jt is 17 to 1 on points bet with the strokes so they got to make up six shots on Cantlay, and they got to run down rom and bryson and finau and cam smith tough to do very tough to do but those two guys and that value if you can grab it now because they are they are shorter on DraftKings. I think is worth the play. My favorite one there is is Jordan at twenty five to one. JT just can't seem to get it together and put four together. But Jordan at twenty five to one with strokes. Tony Finau at seven to one with strokes, and JT at seventeen to one with strokes. It'd be the only ones I'd look at. Okay, I never saw Jordan at twenty five to one. But it was, on, it was on points bet. I'd be all over that. Yeah. Um, I yeah. saw it like around like eighteen to one. So that would be on my favorite. points bet. He's twenty five to one. Big fan of, I don't believe that actually. I I'm looking at it right now. He is twenty five to. I'm looking. I just refreshed. He's still twenty five to one on points bet with the strokes. Huh. So six shots, twenty five to one on a course he's won and finished runner up. Yeah. I I believe you now. It's there. Yeah. I mean, I would be all over that right now. Yeah. We need to bet that. Okay. This second. Okay. Okay. So, Sam, send that in. You do your picks, and uh, <laughs> uh, I do like Cam Smith, though. As I mentioned earlier, I think you know he's at twenty-eight to one, not on points, but on uh, DK Sportsbook. I like him at twenty-eight to one uh, at the five-under number, five shots behind Cantlay. Big fan of Cam Smith this week. Um, yeah, another one. You know, you mentioned. I think I think Sungjae. You know, you look at Sungjae. I think that's a good number for him. Um, I believe he is at like 30 to 1, 35 to 1. No, 40 to 1. At uh, You know, he's at that 300 number starting out. I think that's about as far, and that's, that's even a reach, but that's about as far as I would maybe look. Okay. Let's talk without starting strokes. I, I, like, I like these a little bit better because I can get a little longer here. Um, so without the starting strokes, you're looking at, you know, you're, you're looking at best 72 hole score for these guys. John Rahm is your favorite at six to one. You got to go like nine names deep to get to Patrick Cantlay at 20 to one. So Rahm at six to one, Xander 11 to one, Rory 12, DJ 12, JT 14, Bryson 16, Jordan 16, Brooks, Cantlay, Louie, Tony, and Scheffler at 20 to one. Uh, Sung Jay is at 35 to one there. And I, I like, I like that one. Um, I like him 35 to one without the starting strokes to have the best 72 hole score. I talked about him a minute ago in the DFS side. I like him a lot at six to one for a top five, top five finish for Sung Jay. I like that a lot right below him. What I like more is Hideki at 35 to one. Uh, best 72-hole score and 6-1 to top 5. Hideki absolutely feasts on Eastlake like, every year. He loves this place. Now he comes in in great form. I'm, I'm buying that. And then finally, uh, oh, crap, that one got shorter. Oh, no, no, points bet. Points bet has Harris English at 35-1 to as well. Um, DraftKings has him at 25-1. to but points bet has him at thirty-five to one right now with the without the starting strokes. So I like that outright. Those are those are my three. That's it for me. Okay. Well, I had English as one of mine. I like that. I like Jordan uh, without the strokes. He's at twenty to one um, on points bet. Okay. That's kind of weird. What's wrong with that? It's just weird. Like, yeah, the the value on the with strokes number is good. 
because he's twenty five to one with the strokes and he's twenty twenty to one without. I mean, I guess either way. I mean, either way, it's probably the same. I guess, huh? And uh, then I like Sam Burns thirty five to one. Now hasn't seemed to close lately, but I still think this is a good course for him. Sungjae at thirty five to one was another one that I liked. Um, Look at you liking Sam Burns and me not mentioning him. That's weird. I just I think Sam Burns is this is a. Oh, I'm, I'm like, glad you finally came around. I've been talking about him for the last three weeks. I bet on it. You know, I bet on him at the damn farmers, and he he lost when he could have won me a good amount of money. I had him at 151. Yeah. Was that at farmers? I don't know. Which one was that? I have a terrible memory. Is that it? Are we done? Um, I think that's it. I may put out my my betting card this week. Major should be like because I said it's unofficial. Um. It's going to be a grab bag of outrights, top fives, and head-to-heads. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the head-to-heads to come out. I wish they were here now, but they're not. I like those for this week. Yeah. I, get more, I get more excited about those. All right. Pat, good stuff. Producer Sam, thank you. All the listeners, thank you. It was a good season. This will be the end of the 2020-2021 season. Uh, we're not going to do anything else. We're going to do some fantasy football stuff, but we've already gone an hour, so forget that. We might do a random fantasy football show just for fun uh, one of these weeks, but not right now. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Drop a comment in the YouTube who your, who your fantasy football sleeper is for the year. Who's your fantasy football sleeper pick for the year? We need to know who they are. Uh, we got a big draft on Sunday. I got a big draft on Tuesday. Pat's already had one big draft. He's got my big draft on Sunday as well. So we still got time. Drop us your sleepers, who you like. And if you don't play fantasy football, drop us your um, favorite bet uh, to win without strokes or whatever. Or just drop us whatever. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even care. Just like the YouTube video, put in a comment, all that kind of stuff. We appreciate it. Um, let's have a great week. Let's have a, great, a fantastic week. May your screens be green. Thanks for watching the Tour Junkies. See you. Oh!